Pastor David Lukinovich, he's our head pastor at our Covington campus. He's got a word for us. So without further ado, brother, give it to you. Say how proud I am of this brother right here. Y'all got y'all are so blessed to have him. And I know Pastor Carlton shall met today, but I just want to say y'all got y'all this ministry is blessed to have the man that are leading here. And I just want to say publicly in front of this congregation, I'm proud of you. Amen. I mean that. Anybody, any young man that stands for Jesus in this world today, they deserve all of our, all of our honor for, for what they're doing. But when you've got a lot of energy in this place, this is awesome. This is exciting. It's, it's easy to preach in an atmosphere like this when you, when you got all this excitement like this. But um, I just want to introduce myself a little bit. There's a lot of new faces in here since the last time my wife and I uh, came here to preach. Now, first of all, I want to say it's a privilege for us to be here. To um, I think I'm a little, just a little hot. Um, for us to be here this morning in Mattery, it's, it's a joy to be here. Like uh, Nick said, we, we're the lead pastors in the Covington campus. Um, but we're from, I'm actually from Chalmette. I was born in New Orleans and moved to Chalmette, I think, when we were two years old. And um, so I just want, yeah, I want you to think I don't have the connection with y'all. It's like, I, you know, I grew up down here on the South Shore. I actually worked right here in Harahan before I became a pastor. I was in electrical uh, construction sales industry for 36 years. And I worked at New Light Electrical Wholesalers right there in Elmwood and Harahan for almost 17 years. And uh, so, um, but this is so exciting what God is doing here. And we're just so, so excited to be here with y'all this morning. And you know that song, uh, The Goodness of God. I love that part where it says, God's goodness is running after you. And uh, it was just what Nick said. Sometimes, you know, you're in a situation and you think, well, God, things aren't really going the way you want it to go. So God's not good. No, God is good. The Bible says that's one of his attributes, his nature. Just like the Bible says God is love, God is good. So even when things we think aren't going good, God is always good. And he's pursuing us. God is always pursuing us and running after us. And just a beautiful picture of God. I thought of the prodigal son. Y'all know the story of the prodigal son. And, you know, he went away and he, he lived like the devil. I mean, he, he, he didn't want anything to do with God. Didn't want anything to do with his father. And the Bible says when he came to his senses and he came back home, when God saw him, what did God do? He ran. The Bible says God ran to him. So that's what God's doing to us in here today. God's running to his goodness is, is running to us. So uh, my wife and I, we, um, you know, we talk about prodigals. One of those songs, I think we're talking about prodigals. And it looks like every one of our kids are prodigals. We have four children. My oldest son, Lee, is preaching for me in Covington this morning. And, um, and uh, he, he had strayed away from God. He came back to the Lord. And then my youngest son, Joshua, got really involved in drugs. And he was in, involved in drugs when he was in high school and um, turned his life around. He got involved in the Teen Challenge program and just really turned his life around. And, and now he's got, he's got two children. Um, my oldest son has three and my oldest daughter has one. So we're just, we're just blessed. God is so good. And our youngest daughter, Hannah, um, she came to the, came back to the Lord last year. She got baptized in our Covington service. And Hannah was one of those, I'm talking radical. Look, she was out there. You talk about the left and, and all that, you know, hated everything, all that kind of, didn't want anything to do with God. God grabbed her, turned her life around. And now she wants to, she wants a family. She wants to get married. She wants to do all those things. So we're just, we're just so blessed. And I'm just telling you, it's because of God. You know, God is so good to us. I've been saved for 40 years. Like I say, when I was 16 years old. And uh, God, is he has never, ever failed us. And um, so, I mean, that, that song is just so, it's just so true. God, your goodness, you know, it's just, that's who he is. 
And um, so we're just excited to be here today. Amen. So I just want to start off. Um, the, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, it says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent assault, and violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. You know, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven suffers violent assault, or other translations say the kingdom is, is forcefully advancing. And, uh, you know, and I'm, we're gonna, I'm gonna share that as we move along here, but we're, this church, whether you understand it or not, you're part of that kingdom. You're part of that forcefully advancing kingdom that Jesus talked about here in Matthew. But, you know, we think of the kingdom of God, and we, we talk about we're in God's kingdom, the God, God, God's your kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? You know, I think it's one of those things a lot of believers, we, we, we say, but do we really understand what it is? And I came across this description that I, that I believe is, is a good description. It says, more narrowly, the kingdom of God is a spiritual rule over the hearts and lives of those who willingly submit to God's authority. Those who defy God's authority and, and refuse to submit to him are not part of the kingdom of God. In contrast, those who acknowledge the lordship of Christ and gladly surrender to God's rule in their hearts are part of the kingdom of God. So if you surrender your heart to Jesus Christ, you've accepted him as Lord and Savior, you, you, you are part of God's kingdom. You, you are part of the kingdom of God here on earth. And, um, and, and that's, that's, a, that's an awesome place to be. And uh, Jesus, what did Jesus say? He said, your kingdom come. He prayed to God. He says, thy kingdom come that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's kingdom is his will being done on the earth. But it's not a, it's not a man-made kingdom. It's God's kingdom. It's God establishing his order, his plan, his purpose on the earth. And so when we join and we partner with God through Christ, we, we accept Jesus Christ, we become part of the kingdom of God. That's, a, that's, that's, a, that's the best place we can be. As, as, as people and, and, and as Christians is to be part of God's kingdom. So, but you know, when you, when you think about the message of salvation and the survival of the church, and my wife and I, we talk about this a lot. Um, it says from the days of John the Baptist, you know, until now the, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent assault or it's, it's, it's forcibly advancing. The Bible says, have you ever considered how the church has survived 2,000 years? In other words, the survival of the church is, and it hasn't just survived, it's, it's advanced and it's thrived. In other words, grown. And, and to, to me, it proves that it is something that is a, a kingdom. It's a, it's a kingdom thing from God. It's not from men. And, and, and I think about that. It's supernatural that, that the kingdom of God, 2,000 years plus, is still advancing. It's still, its purpose is still going forward. And uh, it's just an amazing thing. It, it has suffered violent attacks and assaults, yet it is still standing. And I dare say it's still advancing. God's kingdom is advancing. This church is evidence of that. Y'all are, are an amazing church. This, this body here is incredible. And, and y'all are growing. And I'm, I'm believing that y'all are going to blow the walls out of this room, this building, and God's going to do something big here in Jefferson Parish. You know, God, God, God needs a church like this in this parish that y'all can share the truth and the love of who Jesus Christ is with people who were hurting in this area. And it's, it's going to take a church like this to be that. And um, God is just, he smiles 
God is smiling on y'all, and he's so pleased with, with, with what's happening here. But, you know, you think about it, man, man's best attempts to try to stop what God wants to do has failed on every, on every side. God's kingdom is advancing. So how, how has the kingdom of God managed to advance? Jesus said in John chapter 18, he said, Jesus replied, my kingdom is not of this world, nor does it have its origin in this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting hard to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this world. And that is so important for us to understand. This salvation and this kingdom that you and I are part to, it's not connected to humans. We have, this is so important for us to understand this because a lot of times we try to make the human connection through religion. And this is not a religion. It's not a religious experience. It's our life. In other words, this, this is literally life, life and death. So when Jesus said, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this, nor did it have its origin in this world. And this is kind of going back to the Christmas story, but this is important for us to understand the, the significance of the virgin birth. We need to understand that. The Bible says that Jesus became the, sec, Jesus became the second Adam. What does that mean? Well, every single person that was ever born, the Bible says, and that ever will be born, is born of Adam. There was every 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 person that's ever born. We're born. We're born. We're born of Adam. But what does that what does that place us? That separates us from God because what does the Bible say? Adam sinned, and because Adam sinned, all men have sinned. Even before you were able to speak or make a choice or make a decision, the Bible says all in Adam have sinned, and all who remain in Adam will what? They will die. Those were separated from God. But what does the Bible say? Jesus became the second Adam. See, and now those who remain in Adam will, will die. But what happened? Those who are in Christ, we live. See, we live. But here's the significance of the virgin birth. Adam was, we were born of man. The Bible says God created Adam from the dust of the earth. Where was Jesus born? Jesus was conceived, the Bible says, by the Holy Spirit. Mary carried Jesus, but Jesus was not conceived by man. He was conceived by God. So what does that tell me? That everything that God is doing through Christ is not connected to, uh, to humans. It's all from heaven. It's, it's all from God. And I'm, that's, that's my take on why, the, why God's kingdom is advancing, because it's a supernatural thing that God has done that man has nothing to do with. We, we are connected to it in a sense. It's all for us, but it's not from us in the sense God's depending on men. It's from heaven. You see, so that, that's, how the kingdom, that's how the kingdom is advancing. So this salvation in this kingdom is not from this world. It's not connected by humans. It is from God and it, it is sustained by God. Therefore, any attempt to prevent its advancement will require fighting against God. And that, I can assure you, is a fight you will not win. And I titled the message today, Fighting Against God. Fighting Against God. And, you know, we are, as part of the church of Jesus, connected to something much greater than ourselves. This church, you're not the only church of Jesus. I mean, we're connected to the larger body of all of those who have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Everyone that has, that has been obedient to what the Word of God says, we become part of the church of God or the church of Christ. But this church is part of that kingdom. And again, this is not a religious so I tell my church that all the time in Covington. This is not—it's not religion. This is not—you know—people people say, "What religion do you have? What 
No, I believe in God. This is what the Word of God says. You know, it's not what I believe. This is what, this is what God says. So, we are part of an everlasting kingdom that was not initiated by men, nor can it be stopped by men. I don't care what laws they pass, how many people they put in jail, what they try to do to try to persecute the church, men will never stop God's kingdom from advancing on the face of the earth. It's, it, it is supernaturally done by the power of God, and, it, and it, cannot, it cannot be stopped. So when we think about God advancing His kingdom, we should expect miraculous things to take place for God to, to continue to promote His, His, His gospel and His kingdom. We should expect supernatural things, like the thing with my daughter Hannah. That was supernatural. That was like, we, Lori and I had nothing to do with that. We, we prayed for her, but God came in and God touched her and God, God changed her life. You need to expect God to do the supernatural thing in your life if you're a born-again believer. You should be looking for those things. That, that Don't let the devil tell you, well, those are things that God did in the past and God doesn't do those things. No, God's still doing miracles today. Every, every time somebody gets saved, guess what? That's a miracle. That somebody's willing to turn their back on this world and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. That's a miracle. God's still doing miracles today. And God wants to do miracles in your life. And God wants to do miracles in this church. Jesus said, signs and wonders will follow those who believe in me. I'm, I'm believing for signs and wonders that, that's going to follow those, that those who believe. So as part of something supernatural, we should expect the supernatural to occur. I'm, I'm believing God for that. That God, you're going to do, do these things in spite of ourselves. So the book of Acts, I'm going to look at a, at a passage here in the book of Acts that the passage is kind of long. I don't always do a long passage, but sometimes to kind of get the snapshot of what it is I want to share, you kind of have to share a lot of the passage to kind of get the overall picture of what I want to say. But the book of Acts, we know, occurred right after Jesus ascended into heaven after his resurrection. He, he gave the, uh, the disciples the charge, which I'll have there, the, the Great Commission to go ye therefore make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then in the book of Acts, we see the, the apostles and the young church begin to develop and begin to grow. But it's important for us to understand as believers, we are really connected to the book of Acts. There was, there was no part in the Bible where God said the things that were, were recorded in Acts were, were going to stop. There was, I'm believing everything that's happened, that, that, that is in Acts, God's going to do for his church today. That those things are going to, and they are happening today. So... So we're going to look at this um, in Acts chapter 5, but the apostles, if you read the, some of the stuff before it, I'm going to read, they were, they were performing, performing many miracles, signs, and wonders. People were getting saved. Sick people were getting healed. They were doing the work of the ministry. Everything that Jesus had promised the church, the apostles were in the process of doing those things. And great, great things were happening. They were just being obedient to what God and what Christ had called them to do. And, um, and But Jesus also promised us that we would be hated and we would be persecuted. See, some people forget that when they, when they become a Christian. Jesus said, if you follow me, the world's going to hate you. He, he told us that in advance. So a lot of times when people get saved, they're surprised that all of a sudden nobody likes them anymore. Well, guess what? That's what Jesus said was going to happen. So why are we surprised? You will be persecuted. You, you will be hated. And uh, so we'll be looking at this here in Acts, in, in, um, in Acts chapter 5. And uh, so I want to I pick it up here 
in verse uh, 17. It says, Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went and his officers, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. Then God, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgiveness and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men railed to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in this present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. I mean, what an amazing story. And again, we have to place ourselves in these apostles' shoes because we are, in essence, the book of Acts. We are a continuation of the New Testament church that God began in the book of Acts. But, but if you look at the story, you see the religious leaders and the Sadducees, and, and this is really when Jesus was arrested, when they crucified Jesus. Why, why did the religious leaders arrest Jesus? What, what, were, what, were, what was it that they were so angry about? They were envious and jealous 
that all the people were coming to Christ instead of coming to them. But the Bible says if they that came to Christ, they too would have been healed. They would have been, they would have been saved. But, but they, they, they crucified Christ out of jealousy and out of envy. And here we see the same thing occurring here. The disciples are just being obedient to what Jesus told them to do. They, they, weren't, they weren't trying to interfere with the Sadducees. They were just wanting to be obedient to what God had told them to do. And people were getting saved. People were getting healed. And what are the religious leaders? They were envious. And they were jealous. And the Bible says that, 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 that they, they were angry with them. So, But this story, to me, is it's a remarkable story, but it's also an encouraging story to us. Because it, it shows us that God... That God is on our side. That, that God is with us. And I just want to go through this here this morning with you all. In verse 18, the first thing we need to look at here says, They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. So the first thing we need to understand is advancing God's kingdom will invite opposition. Advancing God's kingdom will invite opposition. If you decide to take a stand for Jesus Christ individually as a Christian, or corporately as this church here in Metairie, there is going to be opposition. That, that, that's going to come. It's not, it's not, is it going to come? It's when, when will it come? The, the, there's going to be resistance. And, and I can tell you, if you're in here this morning, you, you're a new believer, maybe you haven't been saved for very long, and you, you're trying to navigate and figure this whole thing out, you might be in that, that new part experience where it's kind of like the honeymoon stage with God. But there's going to come a time as a believer where you're going to come against some resistance. That there's going to there's going to be there's going to be a battle that's going to rage. There's going to be some things that are going to try to that are going to try to going to try to come against you. And um, but that that's something that we should expect. And you know we look at our world today and we we think that the whole world is like the United States, like like everybody in the world is like the church in here, and it's not. We have it we we have it so easy here in America when it comes to the church. Um, we have no resistance. Y'all walked into this building, you parked your car, you walked in with your Bible, you walked in with your family, there was, you had no threat at all of being arrested. No threat of being put in jail or, or having your home removed. There was this perfect... The, the church should be growing the most in America. We, we, we have it the easiest and, and all, but it looks like God's church is advancing even more in places where there's more resistance. And China is one of those places. I, I came across this article... In December of 2018, there was a, a, a leader, a, a, a pastor named, named Wang Yai, a leader in one of the most well-known Christian congregations in China. He had been quietly sentenced to nine years in prison, according to the statement of the website in the in, Intermediate People's Court um, in China. Nine years, this man was put in prison for preaching the gospel. For doing what I'm doing here this morning to you, to you this morning, this man was was placed in prison. There's opposition. That there's going to be resistance to the advancement of the gospel. But but the uh, the church has had opposition, and it will continue to have opposition. This church has experienced opposition. Y'all y'all had some hurdles, some some bumps to go through. But I'm I'm here to tell you, y'all are thriving. Like in spite of the things that the enemy has tried to do to try to stop this church. I believe it's only made the church advance even more. And, and, and I believe sometimes it takes a little resistance. It takes a little, you know, shaking up, so to speak, to kind of get our attention and get us really focused on what it is that God wants us to do and what it is that God is doing. So, so I just want to say A plus to this church that y'all have remained steadfast. You're not, you're not wavering. You're, you're pressing on. You're moving on. You're going forward. And God's going to be glorified 
in this church and he is being glorified in this church. But but anytime you seek to take a stand for Christ, you will you will feel ostracized and alienated. You're gonna feel at times that you are alone. And and in a sense, and humanly speaking, you're all alone. Speaking in God's terms, you're not alone. God, God is with us, the Bible says. He's not against us. It's, it's, the Bible says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But from a human standpoint, you're going to feel like you are the only one that's serving Christ. I can tell you in almost every place that I worked before I became a pastor, I really felt like I was the only person serving Christ. Like, is there anybody else? They had a lot of religious people I work with, but not a lot of people were really concerned about really adhering and following and obeying what the Word of God says. But you can't lose hope. You, you can't lose hope. you got, you got to remain steadfast. you got to understand that you are not alone, that, that, that there's other brothers and sisters that are standing in your same place and other jobs and other places all around the world fighting the same battle that you are fighting. So we need to expect the opposition to come. Resistance is going to come. It's going to come from the world. The Bible says that we are living in an anti-Christ world. Do, do y'all know that? Well, everybody said, Where's the, where, when is the Antichrist going to come? Well, I don't know when he's going to come, but the Bible te- also tells us we're living in an anti-Christ world. What does that mean? That everything in this world is opposed to Christ. Everything. So we should not be surprised when we find it difficult to serve God. In other words, it's not wrong to admit it's, it's a struggle. It, it, it's hard. It, it's, it, every time you try to get up and do something, you feel like there's something, there's something trying to put, pu- push you down. And there is. There, there's supernatural forces. There's principalities and powers. There's authorities in high places that stand opposed, that stand against everything that you and I believe in. But, but, but take heart. The Bible says that God is with us. He is not against us. Some of you are going to receive resistance from your own family. Your families might, might come against you. I, I know in, in my family, my, I didn't find this out until later on in life. I was saved in a, in a Baptist church. My, my mom wanted to make sure we got in a church that was a Bible-teaching, Bible-filled church. And we, my brother and I both were saved in a, in, a, in a Baptist church. But my dad from New Orleans, he grew up in Catholicism, and he wanted us to be part of the, the Catholic church. And um, but thank God for my mother. She really wanted wanted her family to go to go to church, and that 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 was safe. But you can receive resistance. I know in the beginning, you know, when we first didn't go uh, with my dad to the Catholic church, he resented that. You know, that was a big deal to be a Catholic and not have your your sons and your children to be part. I don't know what that's like. I've never never been part of that, but I know it's a it's a big deal. So now he's you know he understands. He sees the fruit. He understands what God is doing, but in the beginning there was there was resistance even from my father about what it was that God was doing in, in, in my life. And then you're also going to receive resistance from your flesh. You know, Brother Rod says this when you got saved, your spirit man got saved, but your flesh didn't. So and I wish there was something where we could just separate from the flesh when we get saved, but you can't. That we're stuck with this flesh until Jesus comes until we die. So your flesh is always going to be opposed to the Spirit. It, 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 it's a constant battle. It's a constant war. And you can't ever think, I used to think as a young Christian, that I was going to get to a place where, there was, where the devil was going to leave me alone. Doesn't happen. The devil's going to work on you until you die. He, the flesh is going to continue to try to come against you. But the Bible says what? To satisfy, satisfy the desires of the Spirit, don't gratify the desires of the flesh. That, that, that's what we are called to do 
as believers. So, see, the temptation is to quit. That's what the devil wants you to do. He wants us just to quit. And again, I'm speaking a lot to young, young believers in here, but even seasoned believers, this can happen in any area of your life. The devil is going to try to get you to throw your hands up and just, just, just say, you know what, it's too hard, I can't do it. Don't quit. Don't stop fighting. Paul said it's, it's a fight, but what did Paul say? We fight the good fight. See, it's a fight worth fighting. I, I, heaven is my prize. Eternal life is where, is where I'm going. So I'm not taking my eyes off the prize. I'm, I'm, I'm heaven bound, the, the Bible says. So um, we must remember that, that um, they are not fighting. The things that are opposed against you, they are not fighting against you. They are fighting against God. Together with those who have gone before us, we are forcibly advancing the kingdom of God. So we, we are part of this advancing kingdom. And, and I don't know what y'all, but that gets me excited to think that I'm part of something that God, that God created, that the supernatural uh, organism that God has done as the church, I'm part of that. Doesn't it make you feel special that I've, I've joined something supernatural, that, that, that I'm part of God's kingdom, that I'm, I'm advancing God's purpose here on the earth? So we are gathered here today because someone before us was willing to stand for the gospel and, if necessary, give their lives defending it. There's people that have gone before us that were willing to give their lives, their lives that the gospel might advance. So, so the first thing we look at when we look at this passage is they were arrested. The, the apostles were arrested. And we see at the end of the, of the passage, it's amazing the way it worked out. They, they decided they weren't going to kill them, but what did they do? They flogged them. They, said, they, they walked away rejoicing. Think about that. They were beaten, and the Bible says they rejoiced because they, they, they were followers of Christ. That's, that's the place that you and I need to get to. And then the next thing we see here in verse 19, it says, But during the night an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. The next thing we see here in this passage is that God will make the impossible possible. God will make the impossible possible for us. You know, the story doesn't say this, but I don't believe the apostles were expecting to be miraculously delivered from that jail cell. I, I don't know what they were thinking. I, I guess they, they, they had just accepted the fact that this is our sentence. This is what they, they've arrested us. We're in here. I don't think for one moment they ever guessed that those, prison, those, those, those doors are just going to open. They were just going to literally walk out. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord came and miraculously opened up, opened up, the, opened up those doors for, for them. So, um, and we notice that they're released. When, when they were released, it says they were given instructions to do what? To go stand in the temple courts and do what? Tell the people all about this new life. See, God wasn't just releasing them that they could be free from jail. God was releasing them with a purpose to go spread the gospel, to go tell everybody about the good news of Jesus Christ. See, God's going to do miracles. I'm believing that for this church. God is going to do miracles to advance the gospel for this church in Mattery. I'm believing that with all my heart. That th Those prison doors that opened up, that angel that came, God can do the same thing for this church. That's the book of Acts. Some people believe that, believe that the things that God did in Acts were, were for the book of Acts. They weren't for the, for the church today. I don't believe that. I believe that everything that God did in the book of Acts is for the church today. That if God opened prison doors, then God can open prison doors today. you got to believe that. See, what is God? He's advancing His kingdom. 
He's not advancing a religion. He's not advancing a denomination. He's advancing the kingdom, the purpose, the, the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ is being advanced. And God will do miracles for that, for that kingdom to, to continue to advance. See, the Bible, the Bible is filled with, with supernatural events. And the, the word supernatural is really not in the Bible, but there's things that the Bible teaches us that God does that supersede the natural. It goes beyond the laws of physics and the laws of science and, and the natural laws of things that man can describe. It supersedes those things. Why is that possible? Because God's not bound by laws. God's not bound by science. He's not bound by nature or bound by physics. God, God is God. And God is going to do whatever God wants to do. And no one is going to, no one is going to stop Him. In the Old Testament, we see... God doing the impossible with barren women, women who were well beyond the age of, of childbirth. God allowed those women to birth and to give, and to, and to give children. We, we see in the Old Testament, in the nation of Israel, remember God, God made food rain down from heaven. Like, like manna, the Bible says, food is literally, come, they're in a desert. And there's food like rain coming down from heaven. The Bible says God made water come out of rocks. God's not bound by nature, by the natural laws of physics. God can do whatever God wants to do. And God is still doing those things today. And then we see the same thing happening here in the, in the New Testament. We should expect God to do the impossible for us. We should expect those things. Don't, don't live your life thinking, well, God doesn't care about me. He's not concerned. No, God's going to do something miraculous in your life. Just like he did for Lori and I with our children. God's going to do the same thing for you in your life. All he needs you to do is just to remain steadfast. Just what does the Bible say? Just don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. That's all God wants to do. I don't, sometimes I don't like it. I don't understand it. I, don't, I, I can't figure it out. It doesn't make any sense. I'm mad. I'm angry. Guess what, God? I'm keeping my eyes focused on you. I'm not, I'm not turning. That's all God wants. He just wants us to remain faithful and watch his hand move and watch what God will do for us when we do so. See, your situation is not dead. They, there might be somebody in this room, you're, you're facing something right now, and you're thinking, you know what? This, this situation, it's dead. I'm here to tell you it's not dead. God's the God of the resurrection. And God will resurrection whatever it is that will resurrect whatever it is that you're facing today. God, God will rescue you in your situation. And, and I can tell you from a wife and I, when he's intervened in our lives, He's, he's done it. He's done what we asked him to do, but never in the way we thought he was going to do it. I, I can tell you that. If, you, if you're trying to figure out how God's going to do it, I can promise you it's going to happen, but it's going to, it's going to happen in the complete opposite way what you thought God was going to do. And sometimes it'll be so amazing that you'll even forget that because you were thinking God was going to do it your way and he did it. God did it his way. You're going to forget that God even did it. That's how miraculous it's going to be. I'm believing that for y'all in this church. We're going to pray at the end for that. But I'm believing that God is going to, is going to have a breakthrough for, for this congregation here this morning. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. See, with man, things are impossible. But see, that's why I made the point in the beginning. The kingdom that you and I belong to, this church, you are part of the kingdom of God. You are not connected to men. This is, you are connected to God. And the Bible says with God all things are possible. There's nothing that is too difficult for the Lord. The Bible says is there any situation that God is too, God's arm is too short 
that he can't reach out and rescue us. Is there anything too difficult for God? Can you name anything? God can do anything. That's the God we serve. That's the God we're connected to. So God's kingdom is advancing. His plan and his purpose is still advancing today. And he will continue to do the impossible for us even in 2022. Then in verse 28, it says, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. I love that. See, we are advancing God's kingdom, not man's. We are advancing God's kingdom, not man's. See, those who opposed the apostles, they were stubborn. Think about this. They put him in jail, and the Bible says when the men came back to go get them out of jail, to go bring them before the Sanhedrin, the, the guards were standing at their post, and the prison doors were locked. But when they went in and looked, the, the men were not there anymore. So they had to know that there was a miraculous intervention, that these men were even able to escape the jail, yet they remained stubborn against what it was that God was, was wanting to do with them. And so but they brought it back, but this time it was not with force because they said they were afraid now that the people were going to stone them. They, they understood that we're up against something that's, that's pretty big here. But Luke says that they replied, we are not living to obey you, we are living to obey God. See, God's kingdom must supersede the world's kingdom. See, when you, when you become a Christian, the Bible says what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What would, what would Jesus say? You're worried about food. You're worried about clothes. You're worried about all these things. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will, 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 will follow you if you, keep the, if you keep the kingdom of God first. And, and I can tell you, that's what my wife and I have sought to do our whole Christian life as we start to put God first. You know, we're living in a world today where a lot of people are trying to make God fit around them. But when we were growing up, we tried to make our world fit around God's plan. And I can tell you, we were blessed. It wasn't always easy. We had to, some of our kids had to be denied certain things, maybe sports or different things like that. But we always made it a point that, that we, we were serving God, and guess what? God was first. So whatever that looks like for you in your life, just say, you know what, God? You're first. I, I, I surrender my life. I surrender my will, my family, my, you know, even our jobs. Lori was working as a, as a nurse, and um, she wasn't full-time, but she, so her, her schedule was flexible at the time. So she was able to even take her schedule, and when the schedule would come out, we would try to always arrange the hours where it would not interfere with anything that we were doing with the church, whether it was life groups, um, you know, uh, Sunday morning service, whatever it was, we always tried to make our life fit God's plan. And I can tell you, that's when you start getting blessed. That's when God will, God will bless you. So Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. See, our mandate as a church is not from men, it's from God. The mandate, that, that mandate right there, that's not from men. That's the mandate God has given this church, that, that God has given us. So we do not deliberately seek to disobey men or governments. We seek to obey God. But it is very likely that your obedience to God will cause disobedience to man. In other words, that, that's going to happen sometimes. It's not that I'm walking out my door every day saying, you know what, I want to disobey man today. No, what am I saying? I want to obey God. And when I do so, I might, be, I might become disobedient to men, but what am I doing first? I'm obeying God first. 
and this came out with the, with the COVID pandemic a couple of years ago. The, and I was so frustrated with this. They came out, you remember when they, two years ago, they, went, they shut everything down. And of course, in the beginning, none of us really understood what this was about. It's a pandemic. Never heard of that before. We don't understand what's going on here. But what did they say about the churches? What was the churches labeled? Non-essential. The church is the most essential institution that stands on the face of the earth. We're all essential. So when we say that we're going to, I'm not, I don't want to disobey my government. I don't want to disobey my governor. But what I want to do is I want to obey God. So if I decide to obey God, I might disobey the governor or, obey, or disobey the government. But my mandate is to obey God first. See, it's God first for us. So we don't deliberately seek to be rebellious. We're not, we're not raising a rebellion. We're not deliberately coming against what the government is saying. But at the same time, we want to be obedient to what the Word of God says. And the Bible tells us, and this is a command from the Bible. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembly of yourselves. It doesn't say... If you want to, don't assemble. If you don't feel like it, stay home. No, it's a direct command to the church. Do not forsake the assembly or the gathering together of the church. That was a direct assault against that command in the Bible when the government said churches are non-essential. So I, I just say that to make the point that we, we are advancing God's kingdom. That, in other words, God, we put, just put God first in your life. Just whatever that looks like for you. It, it might hurt. You might have to surrender some things, make some sacrifices. What did Jesus sacrifice at all? He was willing to die, to be hung on a cross, to be beaten, to do all of those things. The least I can do is die to myself, to sacrifice my life. And, and, and I know y'all are laying things down in this church because that's why this church is growing. Because there's a, there's a core people in this church that is willing to do, you know what? I'm willing to take that, that command and I'm willing to lay my life down and go after Christ. And that's when you're going to see this church really begin, as it already is, begin to explode and to begin to thrive. And then this is the part I wanted to get to in Acts 5:38 and 39. It says, Therefore, in this present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. The next thing we see is if you, if God is for you, who can stand against you? If God is for us, who can be against us? See, Gamaliel, he was one of the Sadducees that was there, but he had a light, like, like a light bulb went off all of a sudden in his mind. And he understood that all these other sects and these things that had gone before them, 400 men rose up, they followed certain men, but what did he say? The leader died and the, 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 the sect dis dispersed and they were all scattered and it came to nothing. But he had enough understanding to understand that, that there was one critical component in what was happening with these men. It was God. The life I want to heal, he, all of a sudden he understood that, that it was God. He understood if God was on their side, that any attempt to stop them was going to be done in vain. That there's no way that they could stop what it was. See, Christians too often, we see ourselves as the underdog, you know, as the, as the minority. And and like I said, in a lot of ways, in numerically speaking, we are the minority. But when it comes to spiritually thinking, we are like a mighty army. We, we are a mighty army. A, a vast force, the Bible says. The army of God. And it's, it's God's kingdom. See, we are part of the supernatural working of the kingdom of God on the face of the earth. And I'm here to tell you, you can't stop it. I can't stop it. Governments can't stop it. COVID, nothing can stop God's kingdom from advancing on this earth. Nothing's going to stop it. It's done by God.
So we're not, we're not the underdog. We're, we're part of God's kingdom. We're an army. You're a mighty army in God's kingdom. And, and, and that's who God called us to be. See, God's people were always outnumbered. That, that, that's why, so God can get the glory. See, if it was something that men would do, we would do, who would get the glory? Men would. But God put it in such a way that He's going to get the glory for everything, for everything that He's doing. So, so yeah, we might seem outnumbered sometimes, but God, God is on our side. See, everything in the world seemed against the, the nation of Israel and the people of God. However, they had one ally the world could not match. It was the Lord of Heaven's armies. See, the Lord of Heaven's armies fights for you. He's on your side. You, when you got born again, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you became a part of the army of God. That's the army I want to belong to. We got a mighty army in the United States, but I'd rather be part of the army of God. Because that's, an, that's a force that cannot be reckoned with. That's a force that cannot be stopped. So governments will be against you, and your employer might be against you, your family, but none will succeed because God is for us. See, when you and I became believers, we changed sides on the battlefield. The Bible says before you became a believer, we were enemies of God. Did, did you know that? You might say, well, I never really, I didn't hate God. Well, that's what the Bible says. Until you came to Christ and accepted His salvation and the truth of the gospel of who Jesus Christ was, the Bible says you were God's adversary. You were, you, you were His enemy. But now what happens? Now you've been born again. You've accepted the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You, you received the salvation of Jesus Christ. And now what does the Bible say? Now we're his friends. We're no longer enemies. We're God's friends. Now you're on the same team. You're, you're joined together with God. We're fighting together. We're joined together. We're joined together with God. So whatever was opposed to you, was, was opposed against you, now the Bible says God stands for you. See, we were opposed to him as his sons and daughters, but now the Bible says we stand forgiven and we stand free. So we are no longer God's enemies, we are his friends. See, God is now with you, he's not, a, he's not against you. So we need to quit looking at everything that is against you and start seeing what God is doing for you. See, a lot of times we look at our life and all we do is magnify the things that are against us. My, my bank account's against me. My, my boss hates me. I got a bad job. My spouse doesn't like me. My kids don't like me. We, we, we stack up all the negative things. But why do we start looking at the positive thing? God is for you. God, God is on your side. God's got a plan and God's got a purpose for your life. God's got good things in store for you. Start looking who, who it is is for you, not looking who it is that is against you. And the God that we serve, see, this is not just a God this is the Lord, Jehovah. The Bible says Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord, our provider. God, that God, the only true God, He is on your side. That, that is the God that, that, that is with us. See, the Lord is fighting your battles. I'm here to, I don't know who you are this morning in this room, but I'm here to tell you God is fighting your battles. You're not alone. The devil tries to tell you by yourself, God doesn't see you. God, God's, God's forgotten you. God's distant. No, God is with you. The Bible says God is with us. As, as close as the, as the words from our mouth. And, and just speaking the words of us, the Bible says God is right there. He's, he's, God is a God who is with us. He is, not, he is not against us. So I declare to this church, this, this tabernacle church ministry, that this is an advancing kingdom. That, 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 that this church will prosper. 
that no weapon formed against it will come against it. That there will be no weapon that will prosper that will come against this church in Mattery. That y'all will advance. Y'all will prosper. Just I tell you, stay steadfast and believe God for big things. Don't, don't accept. Just say, God, show me something bigger. Not just in His church, but in your life. Say, God, I want to, I want to, believe, I want to believe something supernatural, God. The, the miraculous that God wants to do. I know God wants to do for this church. So it doesn't matter what opposition this church faces. Um, God is fighting for us. Exodus chapter 14. I'm not going to read the whole story here, but I'm just going to read these two verses. It says, Moses, an Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord, the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need you 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 need only to be still. This story, if you you know the Old Testament, the story of the nation of Israel. If if you read the read the Old Testament, the nation of Israel had been had been in Egyptian bondage. The Bible says that God did all these miraculous signs through Moses. All these things that God did, and remember Pharaoh's heart. His heart was hard every time he would not let him go. But God had one final plague. It was the plague of the firstborn. And every one of the firstborn, it says, from the, from the, the slave in the field all the way to, the, to, to Pharaoh, the firstborn was, was going to die. And finally the Bible says, Pharaoh let the nation of Israel go. But even after he let them go, the Bible says his heart was still hard. And he pursued the nation of Israel in the desert. And God knew that, that, that Pharaoh was coming after them. So he deliberately led the nation of Israel toward the Red Sea. And he did that on purpose because it made Pharaoh think they were confused. They didn't know what they were doing, but God wasn't confused. So imagine this now, for, if you can, if you put themselves, you're, you're standing there in the desert, there's the Red Sea on one side, and there's, the, there's, the, there's Pharaoh's army coming against you, all his chariots, and here you are standing, and the people are crying out to Moses, why did you take us to this, to this desert for, for us to die? What did, what did Moses say? Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And that's God's message for you today. Just be still. Whatever it is that you're facing, whatever battle is that you're facing, I'm here to tell you that God, God will remove that obstacle. God will, just like He removed the Egyptians, God will remove that obstacle from your life. You just need to stand firm. Stand firm and believe and trust that God will do the impossible for you and for this church. I believe in great things for this church. I, I'm expecting great things for all of our campuses. I, you know, we, we're, we're in a battle. I mean, all, you, know, the, the, you know, God, the devil's not a respecter of persons. He's coming against, you know, all of us any, any way he can. But, but I'm standing firm. I'm standing resolute that, God, you are going to do a miracle. God, you're going to do a breakthrough that wherever we promote the gospel, wherever we stand as a church, that, God, you are going to perform a miracle and you are going to do mighty things for us in Jesus' name. And I'm, belie I'm believing that for this church. So stand to your feet, please. I'm just going to ask Nick or whoever just to start playing that music there. And